Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. I woke up really flustered. I, ha- I have quite vivid dreams. And you know how for the first like little bit you're like, oh, even though it's not real, it just kind of feels like it was real. But yeah, I'm good now. But for the first like hour, I was like, oh dear, Jesus, I know that wasn't real. But I always pray for people. What, like when what, what do my- you eat, Minnie, that gives you these dreams? I don't know. Now, to be fair, it probably only is in the small part right before I wake up that I dream. I just have that a lot. <laughs> Very interesting. At least you're not flustered now. That's right. That's yes. right. That's right. Yes. No, was and, and, and what are you thankful for? That what was in your dream wasn't real? <laughs> Almost so true. No, actually, I mean, it's tomorrow, but um, it's my mum's birthday tomorrow. And I'm genuinely so thankful for her. I was thinking about this a lot yesterday. Um, and I was just like, man, my mum is, my mum has the strongest sense of justice. I'm just going to give her a bit of a rave for a sec. Um, and she's like the world's best budgeter. Like we fought a lot as a kid, but she's just... She's just such a good person and I am genuinely so thankful because a lot of people don't have their parents in their lives. And it actually, it bothers me when I see people who are just like, oh, my family's whatever. I'm like, what? What? And so I'm very, very thankful just for, just for her. And yeah, just big for, shout out yeah. for Minnie's mum this morning. <laughs> Happy birthday for tomorrow. Yeah. And what are you grateful for today? How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm grateful for birthdays too. It is my wife's birthday today. Hey! Yeah, there Aww. you go. So big uh, shout out for my wife, yeah. Shell. Um, her birthday today. Yeah, happy birthday, Shell. Yeah. Amazing. Life is good. Birthdays are good. Yeah, it'll be better when you can um, celebrate with your wife in person, I imagine. I am planning on... <laughs> okay, okay, so this is going to be my thankful for tomorrow, but uh-huh. quick preview, I am planning on celebrating with my wife in person <gasps> on her birthday today. Yay! 4pm, she gets uh, released. Amazing. Yes. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, so let's uh, go to some positively different news this morning. I was about to jump into my story and then I suddenly like, wait, 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 <laughs> your turn. Wait up, wait up, wait. Don't get too excited there. Okay, so this story, just for a little side note context, I started studying like I think quite late for my high school friends and I just realised this morning, huh, I'm going to be like 29 when I graduate. And I was like, no, this is not what I want. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, man, so old. No, no, this you have guy. Lived, you have lived your life. Well, I have, I have. I'm not sorry. Yeah. But <laughs> That's it. You have lived your life. Um, but this guy, I was like, oh, self, don't you be complaining. 96-year-old, the oldest graduate in Italy, has just graduated his first and only degree. Um, I was just like, okay, respect to you, man. Um, but basically, oh, his name is Giuseppe Paterno. Could be incorrect. I tried. Giuseppe. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. That guy, Giuseppe. Yeah. Um, so basically, yeah, 96-year-old. He grew up in childhood poverty, only had really, really basic education, Um Went through the World War, so signed up in the Navy, went through the World War, became a road worker. Second World War, yep. I mean, sorry, yeah. That one. That one. The second one. <laughs> Man, he'd be doing well if he was first World War. Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and so he is only just graduated and people were like, oh, you know, how do you feel? He's like, well, you know, I just, just feel normal. Like, <laughs> feel pretty much like I felt yesterday. Yeah, he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm like 70 years older than all the others, but um, yeah, and I, he's he always wanted he always wanted to study, but he just never had the chance. Like I said, basic schooling, not much money, not much opportunity. Um, after the World War uh, World War Two, he became a railroad 
railroad worker (laughs) and just focused on working hard like rebuilding after the war, raising his family. He had two children um, and he's always, always loved books. Anyway, so he starts this degree in 2017. It's a three-year degree and he has the mentality of, look, maybe I can't do it, but what if I can? So he starts the degree. I love that. I love that idea. He was already in his 90s. Uh, Maybe 91. Yeah. I was like, well done, you. Um, And so, yeah, philosophy and history. And this is the best. He typed out every essay on his typewriter that his mother gave gave him when he retired in 1984. Um, Didn't use Google at all. Prefers hardback books. Well done. (laughs) Well done. As most 96-year-olds do. Which is fair. Like... But I, I just, oh, I'm like, man, hats off to you. Um, yeah, has just finished last exam, has graduated. He confessed that the online video calls made him very uneasy as everything went online at the start of the year. Yes. Which, man, even I understand. A bunch of us were like, oh, online, okay. Like, it's just totally different than being in a classroom. But this fella, he was just like, I'm not even worried about this disease. I've been through so much in my life. <laughs> and so, yeah, he was just saying he and all of his all of his um, cohort of other students, basically they just reckon it made them tougher. They came out together. And I just think he's an awesome, awesome example of you can still do things. Did they list there what degree he received? What, what was he, What was the subject was he studying? History and philosophy. Oh, history and philosophy. He's got yeah. a degree in history and philosophy. Yeah. That's so cool. Isn't it? That is, I would love to do a degree like that. I think that'd be an awesome degree to have. Absolutely. Well, I'm doing primary teaching, but if I hadn't done that, I was really torn between that or high school history. I love history. Yes. But, um, but yeah, and so he's decided that even though he has now finished this, he isn't done. Um, but not necessarily a degree, but he just wants to devote himself to writing and to revisit all the texts he didn't have time for. I love that he's like, I've got all the time in the world. <laughs> I'm retired. Yeah, I'm 96. Right. No one's going to hassle me. No one's going to give me a hard time. I just, you know, I'm just going to get here and do yeah, it. Yeah, he's just on his way. And I just think this is like prime example of just living your best life. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's, that, I mean, hey, that's what you've done, Minnie. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'll take it. I just, I don't know. I don't know them, them this level. Like, I don't know that I would love to be like even 50 and be like, it's time for uni. I think that would feel hard. But I think actually this is a prime example of, that you don't complain just because you haven't had something, right? Like he's not, oh, like, well, was me. I never got the chance to go. He's like, oh, okay, well, now I have the time, um, which I just think is um, probably very different to the general mentality that as much as I don't love to say, like it just is in my generation. It just is. We're just like, oh, no, we want everything now and fast and, oh, we didn't get it, so, oh, like life is hard. <laughs> but he just he doesn't have that because he has a bit of context, I think. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really awesome. That's yeah. cool. Anyway, so yay him. Absolutely. Congratulations to Giuseppe from Italy. Yes, absolutely. 96 years old, graduating from history and philosophy. Mm-hmm. And, and his, like, one of his lecturers was like, you're a great example to the young people. <laughs> I wonder what all of his classmates, are, how they relate to him. I wonder what it is like their favourite old sort of grandpa in the classroom. I, re- I reckon he would be just like everyone's adopted grandpa. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I just, I love talking to like elderly people, just about like their life and their thoughts and I think it's so good. I'd totally be the person who'd be like, can, can I just come hang out with you just <laughs> while you do your things? Can, I, can we just hang out? <laughs> I wonder how he feels hanging out with, um, you know, 20-year-olds. and Yeah, and, yeah. It'd be good for him. He mentioned that he, he decided to skip the like midnight parties, you know, like the late night parties. Oh, and really? I was like, well, that seems reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, but in other news, um, something I just think is really interesting, the Navajo Nation in the US, they have recently, because of COVID, been going back to like farming more and growing their own veggies and stuff. Oh, well done. Yeah. I've just recently planted a veggie garden because I'm like, it's time. I keep saying I'm going to do it and then, you know, life happens. Um, and it's so exciting seeing things grow, but it's also, you know, patient, all these life lessons you learn. But They will grow faster come summer. Yes, but one of the things that I do think is interesting is that they've gone from a rate that was one of the highest in the coronavirus infection at the start to being steadily decreasing. Um, Oh, really? Yep. And so, look, that could be several factors. Back to traditional uh, traditional living. And look, I guess you are also, to a degree, isolating from others if you're not going to the stores and travelling around as much as well. Um, But, yeah, and so I was watching a video by one of the guys, I can't remember his name, but who is one of the, I guess, older people in in their group and he was like teaching you how to dig out the soil and put these things in i was like yeah i'm gonna learn (laughs) but just i just think that's really cool that they're taking that initiative to get back to it it's one of the things that you often find is that indigenous uh methods are often better Mm. than uh you know well usually better than what we're eating in our shops today you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different all right so um noema moore is with us um how are you this morning noema Hello, I'm good, thank you. Hey, that's the way. Um, thanks for joining us. So we were just listening to your song, He Can. Um, and I'm curious, um, what's the story behind that song? Um, the song is, um, I wrote it in 2014, or, oh, no, 2013, um, at a time when um, I was just questioning my faith. Mm. And I was just struggling um, in my walk with God. And I just sat down and and just just came out um, and the verses are just um, our pleas, well, basically my plea and prayer to God and the promise is God answering. And I've seen me through my trials. Yeah, so it was kind of you just claiming onto God's promises that he has for you to get you through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. So I was just looking at your CD. Um, it's called What the World Needs. And in it, you mentioned mm-hmm. that um, this has been like a 10-year journey of writing music for you, um, but you never yeah. intended to make an album. Um, mm-hmm. How did how did it, this come to be? So was it just kind of a compilation of songs you've written over the years? You said this one, um, He Can, you wrote in 2013. Has this just been yeah. a whole collection of things that over the years has just – been a way of you kind of processing and experiencing your journey with Jesus and they just came together or was it kind of a bit more intentional as time got on you're like oh yeah I could I could release this um it was very unintentional um just a whole process of me um journeying with God and um I think I first started writing when I was 17 mm. um and each song comes out of an experience and um, a reflection of how, like, um, God has helped me through my trials. And, um, yeah, and then I think I had the opportunity um, to work with Carly mm. Fletcher uh, on her album for such a time as this. And uh, we connected through uh, her producer, Reese. And then it just all fell into place a year later. Which, yeah, wow. Um, yeah. 
have you always oh sorry have you have you always shared your songs with people like obviously um looking at your starting um thanks to your parents it sounds like there's always been music in your home you said that your Uh dad was um quite vocal in his thanking god um yeah did you often share this journey with your family like what is your background you grew up in a christian household is that correct Uh Mm. yes um, so yeah, grew up um, substantialist, and uh, mum and dad has always instilled um, a love for God through music. And at first, I didn't enjoy um, piano <laughs> lessons, um, <laughs> yeah. but I'm grateful for it now because um, mm. it's helped me write the music that God has placed in my heart. But um, yeah, I've been able to share my music with my family over the years, getting my siblings. Um, to test out the songs, um, but I've always been a bit shy to share the, the music with other people. But I've shared it, um, had it sung in churches, and it wasn't until I've had my, especially my family and my parents, um, encourage me mm. to actually finally put it into an album. Um, but yeah. Um, I um, actually really appreciate that how I was referring to the section where you're thanking your parents. I liked how you write how they, they sternly encouraged me to yeah, put these yeah. songs together. I was like, oh, yeah, that's some true parental love right there. Um, yeah. So I had a question. You this On this album, you have a whole range of different people that um, are featuring. Was that something that you mm-hmm. wanted to do? Like you had a whole group of friends or family or church members that you really wanted to get on board? Or was that as you started to, yeah, I guess, warm to this idea of making an album um, because you'd worked with Carly, seen a few different things, then you kind of started uh-huh. to consider that as an option. How did how did that come to fruition? Um, well, I'd, yeah, before I started recording, I, each song I always um, had a thought of who would, like be perfect to sing um, each song. Wow. So I always had that in mind before I sat down and uh, did the recording. Um, but yeah, each person, um, uh, either a friend or family, um, and I'm really grateful for them because some of them came last minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> At least it came through for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got that. Mm. Uh, yeah. No, I think it's a really beautiful mix of people. I mean, I only know one of the people you have there, um, one of the people who are playing guitar, and I was like, oh, I know that face. Um, do you do you have a favourite song? Like, obviously, these have all come from, by the sounds of it, such personal experience in writing them, but do you have a favourite one either to listen to other people sing or just because of the place that it came from on this album? Um. I think my favourite, you guys have already played, but my second favourite would be um, What the World Needs. Mm. Um, just looking at what where the world is headed now and just the pain and hurt I see is um, just a reflection that this world does need Jesus. Mm. And and he can heal our pains and suffering and restore us. Um, so yeah, that would be my second favourite, but as you guys played my first. Yeah. Um, can, so yeah. Oh, good. So good choice then. Um, what I was going to ask you about that song, What the World Needs, um, you mentioned mm-hmm. when I asked you about He Can, that you kind of had a little bit of a period where you struggled in your faith a bit. Um, mm-hmm. 
obviously you grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist home, as you've just mentioned before. Yeah. Um, why did you, or when did this become your faith? Like if you could share a bit of your testimony, um, it's like sometimes I grew up also in a Adventist home and, you know, the, the kind of right message is that the world needs Jesus, but I think it becomes different when that becomes your own message that you really believe in and see, you know, people around you that you're like, oh man, I just, I would love to impart to you the hope of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. Um, when, mm. or was there a particular point for you where that became more your own or has it just been such a journey over the years of ups and downs and experiences and family and all that, all that good stuff? Um, I've always known that, like, this world definitely needs Jesus, mm. but it hasn't, like, really um, been my own and resonated with me a lot till um, I hit rock bottom and came out of it with, like, with God's help. Um, and then really had time to really reflect on my past and say, wow, this is where I was without Jesus. And now I'm here with the, like, with the, by the grace of God. And mm. I know and I feel that people need this love, this grace, this, um, hope that only Jesus can offer. And it's such a shame that so many people don't have that on. Um, have Jesus in their life. So, yeah. So it's been five years ago since I've really made this line. Um, but yeah, if I've grown up in the church and known that, yeah, the world does need Jesus. I've only recently made it my, um, my life. Um, word, um, purpose. Yeah. Um, that's awesome, man. Really, yeah. No, thank you, Jesus, for that. Hey, can I was going to ask you, um, when you said you really experienced that kind of grace of Jesus yourself, how did mm-hmm. that, um, when you say that, was that through just your own personal Bible study or prayer or was music really one of the main parts? Was it um, interactions with other people? Like how, what was it for you where you would be like, ah, oh, this is the main avenue? Because obviously music is a... It, from the sounds of it, is a really big part of that journey. But was that kind of the main focus, um, or was it? Has it just been such a variety of things? Um, honestly, it's just been the especially my parents, my parents, and the people that God has surrounded me with that have um, reflected me. Uh, sorry, showed me the grace of God. Um, the time when I was really low and I felt as if nothing could help me. Um, my parents really embodied the grace of God for, um, for me and mm. it just helped me come out of that and become um, stronger um, and stronger in my faith with God. Um, but yes, the music also reflects like... Mm. That I, I've enjoyed just listening to you talk about this. It reminds me of that verse um, in Psalms 107. It says, "Let the redeemed of the Lord say so." Um, and mm-hmm. I think it's just—I think it's really cool that you've been able to, you know, put this album out just as so much of your testimony, and mm-hmm. also and also that it's just you're singing, you know, songs that are so personal to you. Um, I think sometimes we can just sing just to sing, but. I think it's different when it's personal. What would you um, What would you say to your friends or, or even just people who are listening right now? Like if they were 
songwriters, would you encourage them to share that with others or do you think for you it was a very personal thing at the beginning? Like would you encourage them to just like keep writing? What what advice would you give them or, um, yeah, anything, anything you'd like to share? Um, I would definitely encourage them to be vulnerable because mm. um, it took me a while to to actually allow myself to record um, the music. But, yeah, sometimes it's it's a bit tough to write your own personal experiences and then share it with the world. Um, but I encourage any songwriter or anyone to just allow yourself to be vulnerable and share that um, share your experience through music because it may help. God may use that to help other people. Um, mm-hmm. Never know where it will go. Um, yeah, the message um, would definitely help someone else. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Do you think, are you in the process of writing any more um, songs currently? Pardon? Are you in the process of writing any more songs currently? Do you think you'd want to do another album? Album, Or for now are you kind of just like, oh, no, that's good. We'll just leave it with that one for a second. Since this was my first time recording, I told myself no more. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah. God's funny. God is very funny. He's placed five musicals in my so I've written five songs for the next album. So. You've written five songs for the next album, did you say? Yeah. Oh, well, well done, you. When we do that one. Um, yeah. So how do we get this album? Where do we go? If people want to listen, where can they find it? Um, you can find it. Sorry, you just fuzzed out for a second. Can you repeat that? Oh, sorry. Uh, find it on my website www.noemamoremusic.com So noemamoremusic.com com. I think we might have I think we might have lost Noema there. It's a a, a very fuzzy line. Yeah. She seems to have uh, kind of faded out. What we'll do is um, we'll get those details from Noema. And we'll mm-hmm. post them up on our uh, Facebook site so that everybody can jump in and have a look and, and find out uh, and, and, yeah, access this particular album. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, Noema, it's, um, it's been fantastic having you on the show today. Are you still there? Have you I – yeah. I think we've got to – Okay. Oh, awesome. Okay. <laughs> you were just coming in and out a little bit and we're like, oh, that might be, that might be gone. Um, yeah, awesome. As Lyle said, we'll put up that information. If you guys want to get a copy, get onto it. Um, I really, I really enjoy the style of music. This is this is my sort of style. Just lots of voices, some harmonies in there. Like, <laughs> um, it's really good. Um, but thank you so much for joining us um, on the show today, No More. Um, and we'll look forward to hearing your next album whenever and wherever that comes out. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Noema, we're going to move on with one of your songs right now. Uh, Minnie, what's this next song that we're having from Noema? So this is called What the World Needs. What the World Needs. Second favourite song. Fantastic. All right. Stay listening. This is What the World Needs. Thank you, Noema. Thank you. Bye. We tried, we oft come face to face with all the mask we use to hide out. 
Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It has come time for... Question of the Day. And our question of the day, Minnie, this is a really interesting one. I'm kind of hanging out to answer it. Go for it. Yeah, okay. So in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 21, it just says, So as it was, as they were burying a man, they suddenly spied 
um, a band of raiders, and they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. So how can Elisha, being dead, bring someone back to life? Okay, this is one of this has got to be. This has got to compete for being the most <laughs> random story in the Bible. So the Bible is basically telling the story of events that take place after the death of Elisha. Mm-hmm. And you're working your way down through the story, and suddenly it says this, and then it just continues picks up, you know, continues on with the story, and you're sort of left like, wait, 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 wait a minute, back up a little bit. What just happened? So good. <laughs> now, there are very few resurrections in the Bible. I think mm-hmm. there's about eight resurrections mm-hmm. in the Bible. Typically with a resurrection, what you have is there is somebody who is alive yes. whom God uses to perform a resurrection. So Jesus, for instance, stands outside the tomb of Lazarus and says, Lazarus, come forth. Paul goes down to Eutychus, who's fallen out of the window, and raises him back to life. Peter goes into the room where Tabitha is and raises her back to life. Mm. Uh, you have, you know, these are the kinds of experiences that you have when resurrections. Moses, you know, the Bible says that God comes down, Michael the archangel, to resurrect Moses back to life. So there are a number of resurrections that you're going to find in the Bible. And there's always somebody who turns up and resurrects them. And here you have Elisha resurrecting someone, but Elisha is dead. dead. Mm. It's just his bones. And somebody who was actually asking this question wanted to go deeper on that and like, is there something inherently immortal? Because how does Elisha do this unless he's actually immortal? The answer that we have to look at is, what is it that is actually taking place when a person is resurrected? Hmm. Okay. So uh, what's what's the process here? So if you raise someone from the dead, Minnie. Yes. Who's actually doing that? Yeah, it's always the Holy Spirit. It's always the Holy Spirit. It is always God who raises someone from the dead. You are just the means by which God chooses to do that. Mm. Does God have the power to do that independent of you, without you? Of course. Because that's what happens at the end of time. You know, you don't have lots of people running around on earth, you know, touching people and calling them back to life, when Jesus comes back. Mm. Well, I was going to say, actually, even when Jesus dies on the cross, we know that some graves were opened. Very good point right there. And that was right no there. distinct, hmm, I only just thought of that, actually. Hmm. <laughs> I never thought of that until you said that. <laughs> Brilliant. So you have mm. nobody who turns up and says, okay, Jesus died on the cross, let's go, re- go around and raise a bunch of people from the dead. Mm. That, 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 that situation doesn't exist. And so... Um, it is always God who does the resurrecting. Mm. So here's the first point. Elisha didn't resurrect this guy. His bones didn't resurrect this Mm. guy. So then why did God do this? What was was actually being accomplished by this particular event? So they've got got these people, they're they're about to do a a, a burial. Some raiders turn up and they dump the body (laughs) into the nearest grave they find. It happens to be Elisha's. Mm. And boom, he is resurrected again, and they all go running off together to escape the raiders. Yeah. What is it? Why does God do this? The answer is very simple. Mm-hmm. Elisha has died. His people, God's people, have turned far away from God, mm. and he wants to catch their attention. Now, can you imagine how this story went through Israel? Yeah. Yep. 
And when they catch his attention, they are, when God catches his attention, he is drawing their attention to the message of Elisha. Mm. He's saying, okay, you guys have gone a long way from this guy. You need to get back to what this guy had to say because he has a message of salvation for you. <laughs> 